Hello, Signal Boost listeners. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. After five years on SiriusXM Signal Boost, hosted by Jess McIntosh and me, we ended our run. We got to bring you so many guests through this podcast, and we appreciate you spending your time with us. I'm delighted that we've relaunched the show as Mornings with Zerlina. More of the news, conversations, and explorations you enjoyed on Signal Boost, of course, plus new ways to engage with you, our listeners, such as calls during the live show, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time, weekdays on the Progress Channel 127. My partner in feminism, Jess, and I are still very close. We are still friends, but she is out there fighting the good fight for progressive politics and might even pop up for an interview or two on the new show. And of course, Professor Eugene Maxwell fans will be glad to know your favorite biologist and my dad will continue to be a regular guest on Friday mornings. I'll be excited to share all of his future appearances with you. I'm excited as well. And I'll be able to share my favorite mornings with Zerlina segments and interviews with you here on the podcast. Now stay tuned for the first episode of Mornings with Zerlina podcast. The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with change makers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina on Sirius XM. I'm Zerlina. I also want to thank Signal Boost listeners for joining me on the new morning show. Today, we're going to be joined by Dr. Christina Greer. Thank you so much for being here. Good How morning, my feeling? love. <laughs> I'm, you know, as yeah. my grandfather used to say, among the living and the working. So I'm, I like I'm that. Feeling good. That's a good, I mean, listen. You're one of the the friends that I have that um, you you really much you very much believe that like happiness is a state of mind. It's not a set of circumstances. And Absolutely. so I've learned from you that you should just try to make the best of whatever is going on um, yeah. around you, especially because we can't control much of what's going on. That's the key, you know. And and when I, I went to a Quaker school. And I studied a lot of Buddhism at the Quaker school. They were sort of very open to religions, you know, Judaism, Islam, Catholicism. So I've studied a lot of religions just in passing, by no means a theologian. But there are a lot of, like a lot of my foundation, I grew up in the Baptist church, but like, Mm -hmm. it's just, I have to be present, right? So I can't sort of dwell too far in the past and I can't be too anxious about the future. It is the now that I need to focus on. And so like, what are the tools that I'm building? What is the community that I'm building? Who am I surrounding myself with? Like-minded people, present company included, um, to prepare myself for the future so that I'm not exhausted when, you know, I'm called to sort of step up and and use my gifts and my talents and my tools to actually do something. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where we all have to stay mentally as much as possible. We're going to try to adopt your lessons because I'm trying and it's hard. I mean, it's a a challenge every day, but it is something you have to be intentional about. You have to actually be like, all right, today I'm going to I'm not going to doom scroll Um, today. I'm going to put my phone down and try to have some joy, schedule some joy for yourself. You know, I still write letters. 
I, I just that. write like <laughs> hard letters so people still get mail and they're like, you know, PS, I'm like, you know, <laughs> VIP at the post office. I can just like walk in and go straight to the front. Like that's <laughs> that's how much I use the US Postal Service. Exactly. You know, I know all about all their grandbabies. Like I'm all in the postal service. Love it. Um because it's just Listen, you know, in my profession, I I study American politics. So it is it's not a great story, right? It's not right. a great origin story. We have had 400 years of tumult and genocide and chattel slavery and exclusion acts, you know, so we've been deliberate about being cruel to people um, in this country and on this land. And so I'm just recognizing that like, this is, these are setbacks, you know, sort of what we're seeing in our institutions. These people who are attacking us, you know, in our places of worship and our places where we shop, where we live, you know, our, our, our police forces that target our communities. This isn't new. Um, maybe we are heightened in our sensitivity to it because of social media, but none of this is new. My grandparents talked about this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, vigilantes and, you know, sort of police essentially hunting black people in the deep South and in the North. Um, so I'm just trying to put it in perspective and like keep those families and those communities in my heart, in my mind, so that when I do the work that I do, when I write, when I go on shows, you know, when I teach students, I can always remember that like they're the focus. And so I need to just stay present and, yeah. and, and kind of move forward in that, in that space. When we think about the parallels to other points in American history, I mean, I think when you laid it out like that, it's like, oh, this is this is not a good history. And we we don't focus on the bad parts. It's like when you think back to, you know, your own life and you only you think of only the good things, like and maybe not the moments that you wish you cringe <laughs> when you mm -hmm. think about it. you try to think of those moments a lot less. Um, and I, I was talking earlier in the show about reconstruction when reconstruction ended into and when we went into redemption and thinking through the parallels because it wasn't as if racialized and racist terrorism at the time was just like for no reason it was a right. it was a response to black people who had newly won the right to vote via the 15th amendment um were protected now by the promise of the 14th amendment of equal protection and due process under the law um, and could no longer be um, enslaved via the 13th Amendment. So the Reconstruction Amendment sort of set up that we are now equal citizens under this Constitution, and we can participate politically, and through that participation achieve a certain amount of power in America. Um, when you think about the response to that um, progress, and you think about the parallel to now, I mean, what stands out? Like, it, it just feels like it's like, I can't believe this is happening, but also it was the most predictable thing ever. You talked about well, it. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. You know, my grandmother always used to say, the only time you should be surprised is when you're surprised. She was talking <laughs> about this country, you know? And, and it's true though. I mean, this is why it's so important that we, you know, we support our historians. This is why the fight to, to ban books and to make sure our nation's history isn't shared with future generations because they want that fake origin story. They want sort of, oh, you know, George Washington and, you know, the wooden teeth and, you know, I cannot tell a lie and chopping down cherry trees. It's like, no, you ripped the teeth out of your enslaved Africans, George Washington. You hunted them down when they escaped from you. Your wife didn't set them free when you died. Like, 
you all are terrible people, right? We get it. And no person is perfect, but like, you know, some are worse than others. So our framers, most of whom were enslavers, um, weren't, you know, sort of beacons of generosity, goodwill, or any sort of moral compass. You know, when we think, we, my brain can't even imagine not just the transatlantic slave trade, but like the mass genocide on this land. You know, I live in New York and, you know, this was, this was home to so many different, diverse, vibrant uh, native tribes. So this country's origin story is brutal and it's bloody and it's murderous and it's filled with rape and all the things. And then we fast forward to these different moments of time where we ebbed and flowed and we had civil rights or um, the civil war and we had reconstruction. But don't forget like, you know, after that, the backlash, the pendulum swung, we have Jim Crow. Right. We were lynching soldiers in their uniform, black soldiers in their uniforms. So this country has never been accepting. This is actually, you know, Louis C.K. had a joke about this a long time ago. I don't know if he's still canceled or not, but he essentially was making the argument like, this He's canceled, is the best. but that doesn't mean that he never told a good joke. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was like, this is the I best moment. I can say, I think I can say that. Like, it's, right. It's... Like, he had a joke about like, this is the best moment to live in, right? As mm -hmm. crazy and messed up, it's like, as a black person, would we want to live in the 1920s? Don't think so, right? Like, as a black person, would we oh, want to live in Chris the 1960s? Rock joke. Is it a Chris Rock joke? It's a Chris Rock joke. Okay, he's Louis not canceled. Louis he's not canceled. Like about about that. Um. So yeah. So this is like this is this is a moment that we're in. But also, though, you know, I also take some responsibility because the the strides that my parents and grandparents made, you know, the rollback is on us. Mm. It's on our timeline. So this is why I have some sort of Zen type attitude because I'm like, there is work to be done. And, you know, I was just talking to um, our colleague and friend, Danielle uh, Mills. And, you know, she was like, Chrissy, I just kind of stay in the state of rage sometimes. It's like, right, but we got work to do. Mm -hmm. And like, we can't have, you know, high blood pressure and heart attacks and all the things that come with black health that we know about yep. if we're in a perpetual state of rage. So like, I will not let this country kill me. Oh, my mom used to say that, Christina. My mom said that. Oh my gosh. It's like almost it's, verbatim. She was, and, and, oh, she said, really she quickly. would say, don't let them kill me. Yeah. Don't, don't and, let them and, kill you. In academia, black women aren't lasting long and it mm. doesn't make any sense. We've got, you know, some of the highest education levels in the in the world. You know, we have relatively speaking a good job. I'm not, you know, in a factory, I'm not in a field, uh, I'm at a laptop, you know, thinking and writing. Mm -hmm. However, we have black women who are just not making it out of their fifties. And and in worse shape in some ways than black men in academia. So there's something going on in all of these different institutions and I won't let them take me out because mm. there is work to be done on a whole bunch of levels. Mm -hmm. And so I think also what's really important is to model this behavior for future generations. So like when I tell my students, I'm like, don't pull all nighters. That mm -hmm. means you're, you're being inefficient. Mm -hmm. Like I know it's a rite of passage, but like I did, I did it once at Tufts and I told my sister, I was like, yeah, I pulled an all nighter. And she was like, that means you actually did not have your stuff together. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is no need for you to do that. But I think I also just need to model for them, like, we can be engaged, active citizens and participants without sort of being so overwhelmed mm. and so filled with anger that we just turn into unproductive, rage-filled individuals that, that, that don't know how to come together collectively. 
it's so important to think of it that way too because i mean as i said my mom i mean unfortunately my mom did have a, a stroke um and did have, have high blood pressure but one of the lessons i have learned from watching my mom is that i won't i won't let them kill me and mm -hmm. and what i mean is i i won't i'm not i i will not internalize um the hatred directed at me right like so i i will i will work in this space i can work in this space um and i make sure to take care of myself in this space because if i don't then in a lot in some ways like they win right mm -hmm. if, if i if i go all in and it's all consuming i'm internalizing it um and it's manifesting whether it be high blood pressure or hypertension or just anxiety generally um, and I just refuse to, I refuse to let white supremacy win. Yeah. Like I, I because can that's do the point, this and, right? and like engage. That's the point. It's to distract, it's right. to destroy. And, yeah. you know, we see it in, in our, our workplaces, you know, how it just beats people down and they either end up leaving or having a breakdown or getting fired. And it's like, no, that's the whole point of it mm -hmm. to sort of throw you off your game. You know, Toni Morrison talked about that a lot, right? It's just like, no. I'm just going to keep writing and you're going to be over there doing what I know you were going to do. And that's the thing, going back to my original statement, the only time we should be surprised is when we're surprised. We, mm -hmm. we know, I mean, like, that's the thing about racism and white supremacy. It's not that creative. Yet and still, we like clutch our pearls each time we see it. And it's like, it's the same playbook. <laughs> it's like, we know what's happening. We know we what's happening. I mean, like literally from, you know, McDonald's to the halls of academia, it's like, it's the same playbook. You know, there might be some zhuzh here and there, but like for the most part, it's the same. Mm -hmm. It's the same patriarchy and, you know, anti-black racism mixed with white supremacy and capitalism. It's like, it shakes out the same way. Yep. So like, why are we, you know, like aghast? <laughs> when we see it each time. It's like Groundhog's Day. It's like, oh I my know. gosh, white supremacy is behaving badly. Yes, girl, that's what it does. <laughs> <laughs> Look alive, Chrissy. Come on. I didn't think I would be laughing so hard, but it's really helpful. <laughs> but um, I think, you know what, And but you're, that's, that's, that's what I need to hear you say. <laughs> because, you know, I know that there's a lot of reference on like joy and black joy, but like for me, it's not necessarily joy. I like laughter. I like mm -hmm. that gut sort of i'm spending time with my friends yes the world is on fire maybe we are rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic i don't know but like if we can't laugh and i spend a lot of times with comedians and so like i, I, Me I too. So appreciate them also historians because, and i find that like yeah. the, the belly laughter from the dark comedy in history yes. is like those it, are some of my most fun moments in life i can well, think I back mean, on them right now i i was um a good friend of mine is is a writer for you know a comedy TV show and and I was talking to him and my sister and my brother-in-law. My sister's a doctor and my brother-in-law's a lawyer and he's you know a, a comedic writer. And I was saying, well, you know, all three. And he was basically saying like, wow, you guys are doctors and lawyers and professors. Like I'm just you know basically a comedian. I was like, no, 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 no. When you think of the you know I was, I was a classics minor at Tufts. I was like, when you think of essentially the four professions that have existed, and I'm leaving prostitution out of it, but the oldest professions. <laughs> just put it to the side for a moment. <laughs> I'm going to just put prostitution <laughs> in the parking lot really quickly. But if we think about the oldest professions, I was like, it's, we've always had doctors, we've always had lawyers, we've always had teachers, and we've always had comedians. They are essential to our society. They are quintessential 
sort of foundational uh, entities and additions to how we process the world. We like we cannot live without them. Literally, we can't. We never have. So I just find that like things are things are bad. Are they the worst they've ever been? No. Are you know? Do we have work to do? Absolutely. But can we find laughter in some of the absurdity of like you know? Okay, white nationalists, you guys are really whack. Like no, but uh, I I think that this is a really important point. Like one of the uh, shows last week, I was. talking about patriarchy and how stupid it was like it actually is is pretty dumb if you really really think about it like it's actually stupid um but so is white supremacy like it's actually stupid and like you it it deserves being clowned and and ridiculed yes well it's my grandmother say it's like turn the light on it you know like (laughs) so many people require and like they're able to operate because we suffer in silence and it's like and as we turn the light on it then, then they have to, you know, it's like little roaches, like, like they have to scurry, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is like the hysteria with, you know, this critical race debate, not debate. Right? It's like, yeah, we've been letting you all operate on a, a mountain of lies. And now it's just like, no, we're actually calling out the real nature of our history. And it's like, no, we have to shut it down. It's like, how? Like, you you want your children to be ignorant? And they're like, yes. <laughs> like, okay. Like, so then fast forward 20 years or 15 years when they don't get into college because they have like zero <sighs> skills. It's like, oh then you're going to be mad. It's like, oh, all the, you know, colored kids are taking their spots. It's like, no, your kids don't know anything because you took away all their books. Like, like, really? Like, think through the strategy, dude. Like, think through it. They're going to say, like, we oh only had, God. you know, 10 presidents. It's like, oh, oh my God, they're not going to okay. get into college. They're gonna have to varsity blues it because their kids are all right. They, they didn't but I mean, read like, any books. But this is, but I mean, like seriously, oh but this is like you know, think about it though. In fifteen years, we're gonna have a whole, you know, segment of the country that literally knows nothing. Like they're going to have no understanding of science, no understanding of history. There, it's gonna be cherry picked, right? Like Martin Luther King is gonna be distilled down to the only black person that ever existed in history, and like. That's that even is going to be, you know, marginal at best. So they're not going to be able to function in society. It's like your parents created that. And I tell my students all the time, it's like, you know, when we talk about black history, I'm like, black history is American history. So if you don't know it, you should feel angry at your educational institutions that they didn't teach you a part of your history. Like, I know that there are gaps in my history when it comes to especially native history. Like I learned Mm -hmm. a lot in, you know, you know, elementary school, but that's like wigwams and, you know, the Iroquois and the Cherokee, right. like real basic stuff. But like, I don't know about like the cultures and the societies mm-hmm. and like, you know, yeah, we talked about the hunter gatherers versus like the farmers, but there's a lot more complex history with our native peoples, you know, started with New York state alone to say nothing of like Maine down to Florida. So, and I'm not even going to talk about going West. So like, I feel disappointed in my super fancy educational history that I didn't learn this. And so now it's incumbent upon me to, to, to fill up my knowledge gaps, but we are really breeding a whole generation of like ignoramuses because their parents don't want them to learn the truth. It's like, all right, well, good luck getting a job, getting into school, doing anything with your life. That is real. That should be the argument that everybody uses against these anti-critical race theory bills. Like you don't want to get into Harvard. Right. Ask Harvard if you don't need to know any history. 
But you're not even, it's not even Harvard. It's like, you're not even going to be able to like <laughs> make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you won't even make it at like your local, <laughs> in, your local, local institution. Right. Oh my God. I didn't expect to laugh this much. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, we need it. We need to, I don't, I don't know it. if you guys are laughing along with me, but I am in stitches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, well, because I just think about the fact that there are people that are holding on so tightly to to the lie of white supremacy like for dear life because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways i mean that's how that the old the the logical sort of outcome is, is sort of people to react violently and sort of you know a violent backlash because they're so just upset um about the fact that black people might have some rights but i was reading mind, a, um an for some people whiteness is all they have though like explain that been, explain that explain that for people who haven't really been, heard that before. they've been sold a bill of lies and so as as my favorite president lbj right um every time i say lbj in class my students are like ooh, like it's an 80s sitcom because <laughs> they know that i love him so much and like listen no president's perfect but you know in, in the pantheon of things he's my favorite so essentially he would always say you know if you can convince the poorest white man that he's better than the negro then you can pick his pockets all day long and don't forget lbj came from very very poor humble beginnings in texas worked his way up you know as a legislator and then obviously a member of of Congress and then a member of the head of the Senate and then vice president and then ultimately president. And so he was very clear that like, you tell poor white people that they're better than black people. And now we can update it to like better than black people and immigrants and you know, mm-hmm. whatever group you want to sort of be better than. And then you can just convince them to vote against things in their best interest. You can literally pick their pockets in front of them because all they have is their whiteness. And it's like, I'm white and I'm better than you, Zerlina. It's like, okay, well, I really have a college education and I have a house and I have land and I live in like an area that's not polluted and all of these things. And it's like, you know, when you think about poor white people who are like, you know, diehard Trump supporters, it's like, you have nothing. This man has given you nothing. You're voting against healthcare. Like you are literally, as, as Jonathan Metzl, you, you know, mm-hmm. I know he's been on your shows, like you're dying of whiteness. Right. You would much, like, we have seen these mass shooters, like, yes, Buffalo was horrific, and it, it is following a, a very frightening um, white supremacy trend. However, most of these gun white gunmen are killing their own people. Right. After Sandy Hook, when that man walked in and killed over 20 small, white, middle-class kindergartners, and we didn't have any gun control legislation after right. that, I was like, okay, well, you know, there's no safe in this debate. Like, it's one thing if it happens in the quote-unquote inner city. It's another thing when it's in the suburbs and it's white children. And no, we keep seeing school shooting after school shooting. You're literally killing your own children. To what? Get back at the people of color? Okay. So that's what I mean by they have their whiteness, and that's it. They don't have any legislation that's really working for them. The tax breaks aren't for them. Donald Trump did not give those tax breaks for them. None of those people received, the vast majority of people who voted for him did not receive any of the benefits of the Trump administration. One of the things I I think a lot about too is not only are they voting against their own interests, but it, it feels also like they're clinging to this idea that like there is no limit to what they can do. So for example, I feel like the conversation about Uh, Elon Musk and buying Twitter and this sort of Mm -hmm. extremist position on free speech. 
I, I think it's very much connected to, you know, the resistance to regulating guns. I mean, they're, they're white men, cisgendered white men are like, you're going to put limits on what I can do? Yeah. No right. way. Not here. We don't do that here. I mean, I feel like that is like the, that's the foundation of it. That's is correct. that You don't want it to, there is no law <laughs> that applies to me. Right. There is no regulation you can put on me. Well, because um, for a long time, it, there was no res- regulation that, that applied to them. Like, so this is very frightening. And they also see equity as, like, loss, right? So, like, anyone who's given some sort of equal protections, they see it as a loss for them. But, like, but here's the bright side of things, right? You have your Elon Musks. You have your um, Jeff Bezos, you know, these sort of money hoarders where I'm like, oof, you know, that's I don't know what your judgment day looks like, but I would be very frightened to say I've got billions of dollars. And it's like, and what did you do with it? Every day you wake up people... and you decide not to solve problems and human yeah. I mean, problems you... that you could solve and then go right back to your billions. Like you could Listen, solve it with just an hour's pay. Like five minutes with these guys, like mm-hmm. literally like what they make in five minutes, they could literally feed full countries, plural. I say all that to say, though, I think about what Christian Small said, you know, when it came to Jeff Bezos. And this mm-hmm. is what, why I'm so zen, because it's like, yes, there are some dark forces working very, very hard against us, you know, <clears throat> when it comes to women's rights and all the things. But you think about what Christian Small says, it's like, well, Jeff Bezos, while you were up playing around in space, we were organizing down here on Earth. Mm. Like, there are, always, there are always people who are working mm-hmm. for the greater good collective action and so i just have to remember and believe you know you know i'm a birder it's like just find your flock like just find your flock sometimes it just feels like you know the the sort of bad birds have taken over and it's like no 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 there are always people chipping away and i think a lot of us can do our various parts some people just don't have the time or energy to to be in the fight and i get it but it's like do you have five dollars to give an organization that's struggling so they can stay afloat and do the work maybe buy, you know, their volunteers some pizza. Like, we can all do something. Everyone is good for something. Um, And I think it's just incumbent upon us to sort of not get so overwhelmed where we forget, no matter what our circumstance, we're good for something. I like that. That's actually the perfect place to end it. I I always enjoyed talking to you, and I'm glad that we were able to connect today because, you know, on a day like today, it's it's easy to get sort of sucked into – the doom scrolling and the sort of feeling that we're in dystopia, which I I can't say that we're not. I'm just saying that it's important for us to, to focus on what we can do to your point. Everybody can do something. And and just in closing, I think I'm not saying that we're not in hard times by no stretch. Right. But I'm also saying it can be both. And it's sort of like Jetsons and Flintstones, that Mm -hmm. new theory that's out, you know, it's like that they exist in the same time period. Um, one above the clouds and one that's like on earth. And I just feel like we can exist at once in a dystopian universe right now where it's just, we are fighting the fight of our lives. And then we can also recognize like there was a lunar eclipse and the birds are migrating back north and spring is budding, you know, new flowers on trees and we can take time to touch things and smell things and reconnect with our loved ones as like COVID gives us like a quick lull before it, you know, spikes up again. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, we can, we can hold both things at the same time. Well, we have to. We must. Because <laughs> they're happening. Dr. Christina right. Greer, it's always great to talk to you. Thank always you so much for waking up with us this morning. 
Um, well, you were probably already up, but thank you yeah, for joining girl, us. Yeah, I've already worked out, had my coffee, you, I mean, you said my bird. Productive <laughs> over there. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, we always appreciate your analysis. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Sterling at Check-In for new episodes every weekday.